Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Hope everyone is doing well. Getting back into the swing of things for those of you that are preparing to get your kids back to school or who are already back at school. That is what we're going to be talking about today. It has been happening at my house for the last three weeks. We're in week three, and I know Arizona starts really early. And to help you with your struggles, or let's just be more positive, to help you with your transition back to school and particularly online school for those that are going back virtually, I invited my friend and all things behavior and sensory expert onto the show. Wendy Burtonell is going to be joining us. She is the host of the podcast Exceptional Parenting, and she does also have a community and she has online classes and she is fantastic. I love her because she's so calm. She's very similar perspective on everything as I do. Her area of specialty is really in parenting and parenting exceptional kids and sensory issues or other struggles and turning that into a positive. And she's always been a very uplifting person to talk to. So I know you're going to enjoy her. She has been on the podcast before, and we are discussing how to help our kids transition and learn in an online environment because a lot of our kids are going to be doing that. And so she offers some really good insight and perspective. And she's kind of a a reboot for me whenever I talk to her about how to look at things from a different perspective. So I know you're going to enjoy that. Before we get started, though, I do want to mention that next week I am launching my mini coaching episodes and I'm super excited about this. I'm not sure how many I'm going to be doing per month. It really depends on how many people are going to be sponsoring the mini coaching episodes. But if I do get a lot of questions, then I might do them weekly or every other week. But at a minimum, they will be every month. I will be doing a mini coaching episode. And if you're like, what is she talking about? I'm going to be launching a mini coaching episode every so often. I don't know exactly how often. And if you want to be part of that, you can be a $5 sponsor. And when you become a $5 sponsor, you get to submit questions to me and I will talk to you directly in that episode, give you some very specific support and advice based on your question. You will also get some behind the scenes bonuses on my Patreon page. So I will upload things that will be only available to you and not available to the general public. So you'll get some bonuses. I have a lot of bonus material, bonus videos, and other resources that will help support you in raising a child with anxiety or OCD. Now I am doing two other levels just because I saw that it was an option and I always like to overdo things. (laughs) So if you want to become my $10 sponsor, you not only get to submit your questions and get access to these bonus materials on Patreon, my Patreon page, you will get 30% off all of my online classes, which is significant because you can save over $33 each class because my classes are typically my two big ones are $127. And you can check those out at atparentingsurvivalschool.com and see that that would be a really big discount. And the last tier is going to be capped at 10 people. And it'll be just the first 10 people that sign up for it because there's a lot that I'm offering in that tier. And 
I can't have everybody getting into that because it'll be too much work for me. But the final tier is a $40 sponsorship. So you're sponsoring my work in my mini coaching episodes. And as a gift to you, not only do you obviously get to submit your questions, but I enroll you in the AT parenting community, which is a $30 a month membership, totally separate from what I'm doing with this. And that is at atparentingcommunity.com. So you can look at that in that tier. You'll automatically become a member. I will just manually join you. That membership is typically closed. It only opens four times a year. So you will be able to join even if it is currently closed, which it is. And you will also get in that membership, you get access to one of my big classes for free. So you can take the anxiety or OCD one. You get the difficult behavior class for free, which is $87. There's a lot going on in the AT parenting community that is separate that you're going to wreak a lot of benefit from. But the last thing that I'm offering for those $40 sponsors is a personalized video to your child. So a lot of people actually have asked me to do that. Some kids watch me on YouTube and they want a personalized message or a personalized recording of some guidance and support for a particular issue that they're struggling with. And that's why I'm capping it at 10 because one, you're getting into a membership that's closed and is only open a couple times a year, but also I'm going to record a special personalized video for your child and that I'm not going to make a zillion of those videos. So anyone who sponsors me at that level will get one video sent to them based on the information they provide. So if you're interested in all of that, which sounds kind of exciting, I hope you join me. You can check the link in the show notes to join my waitlist so that you're the first one notified, or you can text the word mini coach to 44222. So text mini coach and text it to the number 44222, and I'll put you on my waitlist and you'll be the first one to know. I'm going to send out a notification to my waitlist first so that if there's somebody on my waitlist who wanted to join the 10 slots, they get access to it first. So I hope to see you over there on my Patreon page. And I think we're going to have a lot of fun doing that. Okay. So let's get into today's episode. We'll talk to Wendy and soak up her, her knowledge and her support for you transitioning back to school, especially in the online environment. So without further ado, here is Wendy. Well, I want to welcome Wendy Burtonall to the show. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Natasha. It's so fun. Yeah, I always love talking to you. And we were getting on such a we were tangent before we even hit record. We're like, wait, we need to record all this. So today is going to be such a relevant topic for so many people. And in fact, that's what we were talking about when we were just catching up beforehand and just comparing notes on how things are going with our kids is how to handle difficult behavior and just struggles going into the next school year. And I know a lot of people are getting ready for the next school year. And I was just telling you that we are in week three because Arizona starts really early and boy, has it been rough. And so that's really your forte. I love hearing from you and getting your insight because you always kind of calm me down and change my perspective, which I (laughs) totally need. So before we get started though, can you introduce yourself and tell people a little bit about you? Yeah. So I'm Wendy Burtonall, as you said. My background starts when I was in college. I started out in early childhood development and I just thought, I'm going to be a preschool teacher. I just love little kids and it was so fun. And then I started really gravitating towards kids who were the exception to the rules, what I like to call them, because it didn't matter, you know, if there was diagnosis, whatever. So then I got my master's in special education and I started teaching zero to three year olds with really significant needs, special needs. And it was, 
it was a pivotal time in my life because I feel like I, I graduated from college and I started out thinking, Oh, I've got this. Like I've read all the textbooks. I know all the things to do, but implementing them in my classroom versus implementing them at home, I found was really, really different that at home things don't go by a textbook. And I had to really break away from textbook style teaching and parenting and start easing into more of a, like, what does this really look like in reality in daily life type of thing? And that's what I do now is I teach parents online, how to support and understand their kids who might be an exception to any role that we tend to have for them. Yeah. I love that. And you have a podcast and a website. I do. Yeah. It's the exceptional parenting podcast and exceptional parenting podcast.com. Yeah. Easy to find. So yeah, you're a perfect person to talk to with all that expertise behind you and having three kids too. We kind of have similar structures in our house. What kind of behaviors do you think some parents might start to see at the beginning of the school year? Oh, I am seeing so many anxious behaviors, which I'm sure you are as well, where the kids are, they're either latching onto their parents quite a bit, or they're fighting against them a lot, or just getting really emotional with little things. We have yet to start school. My oldest will start school, not this week, but next week. And my two younger ones will start then as well. And it's been a little bit different for them, but I can see tensions rising and they're getting more anxious about different things. And so it's manifesting itself in different ways. They're starting to get more particular about things or upset about things a little bit easier or more testy or whatever it is. I feel like the transition is always tough. And then I can't imagine, well, you're already into it. So what are you saying at home right now? Well, it's been really rough. (laughs) It has been really rough, but that's okay. You know, I mean, I was kind of expecting that, but we'll, we'll, you know, I'll, I'll pick your brain and we can talk about approaches because I'm sure other people are definitely going to be in this boat if they're not already, you know, setting them up for success and doing all the things that can be helpful, getting them to get back into a sleep cycle, getting them to kind of, you know, unplug before they started to go back to school and setting up these beautiful desks with like, I got sticky notes and notebooks and cork boards and whiteboards. I'm like, I'm an overachiever. They were set up for success. And it really just depends on your child's personality. You know, it's ironic because my eight-year-old, she's just thriving. You know, she's in her room and, you know, all her work is getting done. And I don't even know what's going on in there, but I see it all getting done. And my 10-year-old, you know, who has a lot of anxiety and OCD and is is kind of having a really hard time mentally right now anyway, just with his OCD, is like checked out on the Zoom calls and, you know, looked at his stuff because I'm normally very hands-off and like all his missing assignments in red. And you're like, oh my gosh, what is going on? So let's just start with that one. How do we help our kids? And, you know, it could be an executive functioning issue, you know, but he's, he seems so disorganized. His papers are all over the place. He's got tabs open everywhere. And it can be obviously an anxiety and OCD issue as well. But how do we help our kids who are really not independent and are not task oriented during this independent online schooling? I am with you. And I can tell you at the end of last year, when the world ended and all the kids came home and we were all together <laughs> all day long, <laughs> yeah. we saw a lot of that at our house too. My oldest was like not doing anything. He he kept telling me, mom, what's the point? What does it matter if I get an F? And I was like, well, it really yeah. doesn't matter. You're in seventh grade and it truly doesn't. And then my youngest was super anxious about everything. And she was like nervous about 
finishing every little thing all the time and worried that she would miss something. So completely opposite of my oldest. And then my middle one just kind of vacillated somewhere in between. But what helped me and what I try to remind myself of, which I'm not always perfect at, is remembering that there's so many layers to these behaviors. It's not just the behavior itself. So as you and I were talking about earlier, there's behavior is a form of communication, right? It's a form of communication that something is up. And a lot of times our first reaction as parents is to think, oh, they just need to learn a lesson. They just need to like be taught how to sit down and do their dang homework. And if I just take away their screens or if I just take away their playtime or if I just take away their video games, they'll learn, right? Yeah. As if it's a choice. And sometimes that can be, but more often than not, it's so much deeper than that, like you were alluding to. So one of the things that I like to teach in my courses and whatnot is I like to think of behavior as being like a weed or yeah, like a weed. Think of a dandelion in our grass, right? You have this beautiful, pristine lawn and you can see the one dang dandelion that's in anybody's lawn Mm -hmm. and it's the thing that sticks out. And that's how behavior is as well. The kid who's freaking out in the middle of Target is causing all the commotion. Everybody else who's doing well, they're not getting that kind of attention, right? You can see it from so far away and you judge it. Well, the thing about the weed is that the top is like the behavior. It's the thing that we're all seeing. And the stem is possibly what triggers it, you know, the candy bar at the checkout line that they're begging for, or the YouTube in front of them instead of doing their homework or whatever it is. So we think the stem is the problem, but truly it's the root that we need to get to. So if we're constantly addressing behavior just because of the stem that we're seeing, like they need to learn not to ask for the candy bar, they need to learn to accept no, or they need to learn to just do their homework. It's like we're just mowing the grass all the time, expecting the weeds to go away. And in reality, that's not working. So we end up wearing ourselves out. So the stems are skills that they're lacking, emotions that they're not able to process, or sensory things that they're not able to regulate. They're so much deeper than any of those things that we're seeing. But we have to get to the root if we're really going to get to helping them uproot this problem that's causing the behavior. So that's where I like to try to start myself mentally is not just say like, what is this about? But truly what's causing it underneath. Yeah. And I like, I like that analogy. I use the weed analogy too, for, for different things. People are going to be used to the weed analogy, (laughs) but yeah, you know, the weed for anxiety and OCD, you know, it's a small weed, we got to pluck it out. But in your analogy too, like if we just pull that weed, you know, and, and use discipline or punishment and we're not getting, we're not getting the root out, it's just going to grow right back. So you know, it's a great analogy. And and I get the frustration and the anxiety that comes with seeing your child maybe have oppositional behavior, not want to do their work or just space out and not do their work. And parentally, and I totally get this because this happened to me yesterday, you get very reactionary and you just want to, you just want to crush them. <laughs> just like, do your work. <laughs> you know, and my husband was like, cause I was talking to him about it. I was like, we need to do something. I don't know what's going on. And I was like, just losing my cool. And he was just like, well, we should just punish him, you know, or we should just ground him until he does it. You know, he's very like, you know, <laughs> typical kind of old school parenting. I'm like, no, that's not the point. That doesn't help. Um, we did take away all of the electronics. Like I found that it was a distraction during the school day. (laughs) So like, you know, during their breaks, they'd go back on their iPad and it was like school was getting in their way of their relaxation. But, you know, even that we phrased it as a positive of saying it's distracting you. It's making you feel like you have to get off so that you can get back on your iPad. So I'll take that distraction away. And there's no iPads or electronics until after three. Now you don't have to worry about it. So it's not 
punitive. <laughs> exactly. It's supporting in the, yeah. in the way that it's a distraction for them. They don't have the skill to be able to manage their time well enough to put aside things that they want to do to be able to do the things that they need to do. Absolutely. Yeah. Total distraction. So how do you, how do you start to find what could be the core trigger underneath that general behavior? Super hard. And for me, it usually does not come in the moment. <laughs> yeah, in me the either. moment, it's all emotions. So really, truly, I try to take myself out of the situation as soon as possible, whether that's, you know, my kid is freaking out. So for example, when I ask my kids to get off video games, it can be a huge struggle, right? So most of the time I get some backlash, like, mom, why do I have to get off video games? Or, oh, that wasn't our time. Or, nobody else has to get off. Right. Um, so that behavior, that top of the weed, I really, really want to just jump in and pluck it out. (laughs) I want that to stop. But if I, which I have really trained myself to do, if I just take a step back and like go and walk outside and say, okay, in two minutes, you guys need to be off. And then I take myself out of the situation, not respond to it. Then I'm able to look at it from a different perspective, but I have to take myself out of that situation first so that I can reflect on, okay, what's truly causing it in that moment of video games. It's that they're just super engrossed in this thing and it's addictive and I'm trying to pull them away from it. So they're just fight or flight on me. It's usually fight. And (laughs) (laughs) it's just a reaction, I guess, is what I can see. And so if I can take myself out of the situation first, that's when I start to be less reactive to their reactions and I can actually respond to it in a better way. But I will say, I am not perfect at that. This morning, (laughs) we had a really not fun situation, but my son woke up and was feeling sick to his stomach. So then he brings his bowl, his pupil out and sits down next to me as I'm eating breakfast and begins to hurl. And I was like, Oh no, happen at the kitchen table. (laughs) (laughs) That's too bad. Bathroom. So it's not always something I'm perfect at. And I do want to make that clear, but when I can take myself out, that's when I start to see the roots clearly. And I can see, okay, they're anxious about this. Or like you were talking about, they're not able to stay organized or they're not able to manage their time. Like an adult can, they're not able to what, and what, what is it that they're not able to do, which is causing this behavior? Yeah. That's so helpful because I think it's really important to remove yourself and get perspective and you're not going to get that in the moment. That's okay. You can have ugly moments and then take a step back and, and sometimes you won't know what's going on. You know, like with my son, we're just going to totally use him as an example today. That's what's (laughs) on my plate. It's like free therapy. I like this. (laughs) Like it looked like behavior. It looked like pure behavior. Like you just scroll through the calendar and it's like missing, 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 missing late, late. And it was like, what have you been doing up here? But then when I sat down with him and I was like, I'm going to watch you. We're going to go through every missing assignment. At at first I was like a yo-yo yesterday. I was like, I'm going to be hands off. I was like, if you don't, if you don't want to go to high school and if you want to not go to college and you want to have a horrible job and live in a shack, (laughs) this is actually a quote. (laughs) I said, that's your option. And so then my son was like, then I'm going to live in a shack you know, I guess I'll have to live in a shack. I guess I'll choose to live in a shack. So it like totally backfired. And then I realized he's not okay. Like, you know, he's obviously flailing. And so yesterday it was not pretty, but I did sit next to him and I watched him do his work. And I realized that he was so disorganized. And I realized that his papers are all over the place. And there's like little Chinese stars that he was folding, you know, all over his desk where he wasn't really attending. And even when I actually was like, 
hand on hand, one on one, going through the work with him, he was still not completely getting it, you know, and wasn't able to kind of go through it. And so then I realized, wow, he's actually struggling. It's not that he doesn't even want to do this. It's like he physically, he's not capable of doing it right now. So that was eye-opening. Yeah. I love that you took the time to really see it and you wouldn't have been able to see it had you not taken the time to sit down and watch him go through the process. I think that is so telling. First of all, of your commitment to motherhood, which I just love. Um, But also to... (laughs) to your commitment to looking deeper. Like it does look like behavior a lot. Um, there's so many avoiding behaviors that can look like a kid just being stubborn or defiant or lazy. I talked a lot about that with Seth Perler, who I just interviewed recently about executive function. And we were talking about the difference between being in a classroom with a teacher and an entire group of kids who are all focused on the same exact task is so vastly different from being at home, trying to learn from a screen, which isn't natural. <laughs> it does make a difference. To, absolutely. And be, and having to accomplish those tasks on your own, basically, just knowing that you can, it's such a different skill set. And so the, this idea that, yeah, our kids got good grades when they were in school or our kids did just fine when they were in school and assuming that they're going to do just fine when they're home is setting us up for a lot of frustration for a lot of mowing down a lot of weeds. Yeah. <laughs> then we do just see it as behavior. And that's when it's just, it can just get into a power struggle after a power struggle. And it's really frustrating. It does tap into different skill sets when you are at home. And you would think that having a teacher in front of you wouldn't matter whether it's a screen or in person, but it does. And that's what my son said yesterday. He's like, I can't wait till we go back to school. I just can't do this. Like, I just can focus when I'm in school and I'm staring at my teacher and I'm in a class. Like he actually said that. And now that he doesn't have his iPad during his 10 minute breaks, he is, and this is an interesting thing to go back to origin of what's going on. He is squishing himself in between his mattress to get like deep pressure. He's 10, you know, he's not like a toddler. I just went up there to check on him before I got in here. And I was like, I'm going to go recording a podcast. And he was in between his mattress. He's like, okay, mom, I have about five more minutes before I have to go back to my desk. You know, and so paying attention to those behaviors, you know, what can we do if our kids are having, these are, this is kind of a two-part question. Like, because I think that some people are going to see organizational skills lacking and some people might have some sensory issues of Mm -hmm. how do they sit in a chair for that, you know, hours at a time. I love that you brought up the sensory aspect. That's where I really geek out. And you know that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I have a whole nother analogy for that, which we probably don't have time for right now, but all of our bodies need something different to be able to focus and process is so huge, especially when we're teaching our kids at home or preparing our kids to go to school with face masks on their face all day long. Right. Child has really sensitive skin and they can't handle the tags on their shirt or the seams in their socks. Gosh, dang, that face mask is going to come off in two seconds. Right. Right. So things like that are going to be really hard. So noticing that their bodies need different things to be able to process information. If the face mask on their face is bothering their skin so much during the day, they're not going to be able to focus to be able to learn or listen to what the teacher is telling them. If the noises around them are so much that, you know, just distracting to them, they're not going to be able to focus to be able to listen to what the teacher is telling them to do and be able to actually make it happen. None of these things can happen if 
our body is not in a position to be able to feel regulated through sensory processing. So I love that your son automatically knew that his body needed that deep pressure, proprioceptive input, because that is one of the biggest things that helps us to be able to focus is either movement or deep pressure or a little bit of both. So him knowing intuitively, or maybe just because you're an amazing mom and taught him that, that's huge because I think the more we can work in movement and activity into our kids' day, especially if they're at home, the better they're going to be able to focus. I actually, so I'm homeschooling my youngest two this year and I bought, I did buy chairs for them, but in addition to the chairs, I bought those peanut balls. Have you ever seen those? Oh yes. I was thinking about getting something like that. Absolutely. Because they can't sit still. It's unnatural for a human being to sit still and learn. So expecting them to do that is not fantastic. So if we can set them up to succeed, like you were talking about earlier, by giving them access to movement while they're engaged in whatever it is that they're engaged in, it's just helping them to be able to process the information better. What's the difference between a peanut ball and a, like a yoga ball? The peanut balls are like longer. They're like oblong oval. Okay. And then the yoga ball are just the round one. Either one would work. Okay. There's just a little bit more surface area on the peanut ball because it's bladder on the top. Yeah. Some of those things are going to be necessary. I think for some kids who need some sensory input and, and figuring out as a parent, like what that is and just observing, I never told him to go in between mattresses. Like that's something he started to do himself because I think intuitively he knew his body needed that. But then it makes me think, you know, it's like paying attention to those things, like you say, and, and then tapping into that and saying, okay, obviously he needs something sensory wise. You know, he's, he's, showing me that with his behavior. So looking past the negative behavior and looking at what are the other things. So I was thinking about getting him like a, a weighted lap blanket and a yoga ball. <laughs> you know, I'm like, what will help? Definitely. So. And it doesn't have to be an, an expensive thing. You know, even just if you were to talk to him and say, Hey, it looks like your body really needs some deep pressure or movement to help you think better. Does your body feel better when you sit between the mattresses or whatever? And then asking him what other things can help your body feel better. It might be rolling him up in a blanket. So he's tight, like a burrito, maybe jumping on a trampoline or jumping down the stairs or swimming. I know you guys have a swimming pool. I don't know if that would be a 10 minute activity, but he's riding his bike in his breaks. He'll say, can I go jogging around the block or can I go ride a bike? And I think and I'm using him just as an example because he's a good he's a good example of like looking at those behaviors and instead of being like he's just trying to escape school or he's just like not focused or he's just like asking these bizarre things it's like what does that say about what's going on in his body right now so definitely tapping into that sensory component is really really good huge yes i've actually structured my kids days so that they're going to work in 30 minute intervals and then have at least 10 minute breaks it sounds like you're doing similar I don't even know if we'll make it to the 30 minute interval and I don't care if we don't, you know, might be 20 minutes and then 10 minute break, but adding that movement, even for kids, I think sometimes we think of sensory processing and we think of kids with autism or kids with sensory processing disorder, but truly any child can benefit from having regular exposure to deep pressure or activity or movement on a consistent basis. So, you know, take a note from your book, you know, with your son being an excellent example of just knowing his body well enough to know that that helps him to be able to sit down and think for shorter periods of time. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So tapping into the sensory, what about organization and like executive functioning issues? 
You know, what was so interesting is I w- I've just started learning about executive function and it's just so fascinating to me. And it's, it's literally just being able to understand what needs to be done and the steps that need to be done to get you there. So for example, like my middle son really struggles with executive function. So it is really difficult for his brain to process the steps of taking his clothes off in the bathroom and putting them in a hamper. It's just really tough. They're always on the bathroom floor, (laughs) (laughs) always. And it just looks like slob and laziness and just disrespect for the things around him. But truly it's just his brain cannot think through the steps. And so it was interesting because a couple of years ago, I allowed him to start being in charge of cleaning his room. I don't tell him when to, but every once in a while I'll go and I'll say, Hey, let's pick up your room. What would you like me to do? And so he's telling me how I can support him. And it is interesting, just like you were saying, Natasha, how his brain has to work so hard to accomplish a little task, such as cleaning his room. His room is not big and there's not a lot in there, but it's really hard for him, but he gets so excited and he feels so proud of himself when he does it because it's a huge accomplishment for him. So understanding that these things can be really difficult. It might seem easy for us, but it can be really difficult just in the way that our kids' brains process things. Also impulsivity correlates a lot with executive function. And I didn't realize that either. So kids who are super aggressive or super violent, they just respond impulsively to things that can be an executive function disorder, not disorder, but difficulty. Mm -hmm. Um, I think just this general understanding that there are things inside of our kids, whether it's anxiety or OCD or executive function or sensory processing or whatever it is that we can't see what we're seeing is the behavior. And if we can look past the behavior, we can train ourselves to look past the behavior. We can start to see clues that are telling us what could be difficult for them whether it's mentally or physically or emotionally or whatever it is. And if we can tap into that, that's when we can truly start to support them on the deepest level. Yeah. It's great how you asked him, like, what can I do to clean your room? Like, What a great idea, because then you really got, you get to see like what his brain would prioritize and how he'd organize his thoughts. And he'd be totally for that because you're asking to clean his room. So that's an interesting way of looking at, someone's executive functioning, you know, and it's kind of like when I sat down with my son yesterday to walk me through how you do your assignments and saw that he was skimming and, you know, that he wasn't reading the directions and he was going right to the questions. He didn't watch the video, you know, it was like, okay, you're missing some steps. And just like with your son with cleaning, you know, like it would seem kind of obvious to those of us without executive functioning issues. Well, first we're going to start with like all the stuff that's on the floor you know, and then move to the next step. But I think breaking it down and figuring out where that executive functioning issue is lacking can really help you because I know I spent a lot of time last night in between my rages. <laughs> it wasn't a beautiful, perfect night because I was getting tired too. But I was like teaching him things that I, you didn't think a 10-year-old would need to know. I was like, you have to, I go, they have all these stupid things online, not to be like anti- education, but it's like (laughs) our learning goal is our target goal is, you know, and I was like, you know, you could tell that it's required by the district. I was like, skim all that. That's not important. Come right down here. And then you have to read what you need, your tools for the assignment. And then the directions, you have to read the directions. And then this one says, you don't have to watch the videos. We don't have to do that. But like, you wouldn't think you wouldn't have to tell a 10 year old to read directions first, or even to put the title on his page or to write number one and then number two, but he didn't know those things. So of course, looking at a huge assignment and being like, 
anyway, I'm not going to do this. (laughs) It wasn't, it wasn't opposition. It was like total, like the inability to do it. So I, I think that on any level, if your child's having a struggle, I love that approach of ask them, you know, to walk you through it and see, see what their steps are and see how they do it. That's really cool. I like the way that you reframe that into like, basically let's get curious about why it is that they're struggling with this rather than just assuming that it's defiance or obstinance or whatever it is, which is easier to do when we're not in the moment again. (laughs) It is. And I think for online learning, it's really easy to set them up and it's like a set it and forget it kind of thing. And that I will totally admit that was my attitude. I was like, I cannot wait until school starts online. This is very exciting. I did my part. I set up your desk beautifully and, (laughs) you know, like I'm going to be in my office working on my stuff and I'll check in with you at lunchtime. (laughs) And it did work for my 16 year old and it pretty much did work for my eight year old, but it doesn't work for all our kids. So I think having that expectation that we're going to have to spend some time playing detective and now I've been a stalker. <laughs> I was like, I set him up on Zoom. And then I went and I sat on the stairs. I didn't think he could hear me. <laughs> and like 10 minutes into it, he's like, mom, you can go downstairs. And I was <laughs> like, I'm just going to sit here for a little while. Because I wanted to see what does he do when the teacher's talking? You know, like, what does his body do? What are his hands doing? What's his mind doing? Like, I wanted to look at it because I'm like in total detective mode now. Because I'm like, the behavior is not the problem. Like you said, I'm looking at the roots periodically. I get angry at the dandelion, but I'm, we're working on it. <laughs> That's oh, yeah. right. That's right. I love that so much. And I feel like, I think we have expectations of what school can look like because we're used to sending our kids to school. It's a fairly hands-off approach. Like we get them in the evening or afternoon when they come home and we help them with their homework, everything else is taken care of for us. And we expect that our kids perform a certain way at school. But now school is at home and our expectations are still up here. And so I think we have to reset our expectations. Okay. What are expectations when we're doing school at home? I think it's difficult for even adults who are working at home now. It's difficult for them to prioritize their time and to ignore screaming kids while they're on a Zoom call and you know all the things. Yeah. If we as adults are struggling with it, kids are definitely going to struggle too. So setting ourselves up for success by adjusting our expectations from the beginning, I think is going to be huge. And that's a reminder to myself as I know my kids are going to start school next week. So it is a good reminder. I should have had this podcast episode last couple, three weeks ago. <laughs> Cause I was like, I don't know where I was in la la land of like, I can't wait. This is going to be great. But I do agree. I think lowering the expectations or tweaking them you might have a child, like your kid was like, what's the point of all this? And I'm getting that from my 10 year old too. He's very existential. He's like, I don't know why we have to do this. I don't know why we have to learn this. This is stupid. you know. And and especially with this pandemic and things that are going on in the world, it does trivialize the stuff even more. And I said to him yesterday, because they got the little thing on the computer that said, you know, Sunday by five, it's due. So at five ten, he's like, well, it's too late. (laughs) They're all overdue. I can't turn them in. And this is just my stance. I was like, fifth grade doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Who cares about fifth grade? You know, it's not on your transcript. No one cares. I go to me, it's about your self-regulation. It's about your organization, your self-regulation and your responsibility to yourself. And so I would think you should do these things, even if they're not going to be able to be counted anymore because we're learning about tolerance, discomfort, and self-regulation. So, you know, I think spinning it for some of our kids, we're going to kind of throw that back at us that like, why does it even matter? I don't argue about why it matters that you need to know about the colonies. I agree. I'm with you. 
not so important. I've never talked about the colonies ever again. I mean, but just teaching them about the tools and skills that it's creating for them can be an approach. I think that's a really great reminder for us as parents. Like as our kids are home, it's not necessarily about checking all the boxes, making sure they finished all the worksheets because some of it is busy work. And that's one of the things that, again, personal opinion, I felt like I learned during the pandemic, like there's a lot of busyness in there. Yeah. But if we can change our focus to, I'm going to teach my child how they can learn best, how their body learns best, how they can regulate their emotions, their sensory processing needs, how we can support their executive function needs, how we can support all of those things so they can be a great learner. If that's what fourth, fifth, sixth grade can be about, fantastic. If that's what distance learning can be about, cool. It might not result in all A's, but that's okay. Like how much better will, you know, sixth grade be for your son or fifth grade be for my son when someday they do go back, if they've learned these skills at home, that could be really powerful. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And it's all about just kind of our goals for our kids and and highlighting that for them. This is actually developing some really good positive skills that they won't, they aren't getting at school. So I, I know I have tried to like bring down my negativity because I think that that's contagious too. I was very vocal about my negativity at the end of last school year when they were doing so much busy work and I was not a fan of my, one of my children's teachers. And so it was a struggle, but I'm trying not to be as negative, even though like the server is like molasses. <laughs> like my kids <laughs> are watching their life pass before them and mine too. You know, as something loads, I'm like, it's been 10 minutes. Or they hit submit and it's like <laughs> 10 minutes later. I'm like, literally, they're robbing us of our lives. And I say these things out loud, which are not good. I say, they're robbing me of my life right now. <laughs> That's 10 <laughs> minutes I can never get back. But then my kids hear that and it's not supportive. So I think putting our own stuff in check and realizing my kids are learning how to send an email. They never, you know, had to know how to send an email. They're learning how to edit PDFs. They're learning how to upload things to Google doc. Like these are skills that I use every day, you know, and they're actually much more practical. So they're learning how to make videos. They share, they're sharing videos with their teacher and they're getting in front of the camera. I mean, like they're like getting primed for like entrepreneurship. (laughs) This is online work. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. It excites me so much. Like this is opening up so many possibilities, not because you know how to, I don't even know, like name off all 50 states and the capitals, but because you're learning how to be a good learner, how to be productive with your time, how to navigate your day and how to, all of these things. It's phenomenal. I kind of get excited about it. And we haven't started school yet. So there is yeah. that excitement. You're a little bit more Pollyanna than me, but <laughs> yeah. Just, well, I, I can get on that boat. Yeah. I mean, talk to me in three weeks. It might be where you are. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm getting back to it. I think you have to reset. And I think that's the message for those that are in the trenches or that it will be in the trenches pretty soon is it's a day by day thing. You know, like some days are going to be so overwhelming and get your own support. And other days you, you're going to think, wow, you know, my kids are learning some interesting things they wouldn't learn otherwise. And it's not all bad. The other thing I'll just end on is Tic Tacs have been very helpful. So like getting him to focus, I have bought Tic Tacs and just getting that sucking, he just needs that input. Yeah. That made a difference too. So like, just think out of the box. Yes. Yes. And allow it to be out of the box. I was just going to say, it's interesting thinking of challenging behaviors for our kids and how we can take a step back and look at them from a different perspective. I also have been doing that for myself lately. Lately, I've been seeing myself getting into a lot of avoidance 
<laughs> behaviors. Like I I'll zone out and I listen to a 24 hour audio book in three days, probably <laughs> not the best thing to do. But afterwards I was like, what is it that I'm avoiding? And it's interesting to see the roots of our own things too. You know, the negativity for you, like you were saying, when you were trying to set up the school stuff, why was that negativity coming out? Because that's not who you are. You're a very positive person. So what was the root of that? As long as we can step back and see the roots of whatever challenging behavior that there is and allow ourselves that grace to maybe not know all the answers, but start picking up little pieces here and there and saying, oh, here's a clue. And how can we support this clue with a tic-tac or with squishing himself under a mattress or a walk or a bike ride or whatever? Maybe that's what we need to do for us too. All of those things are so huge. I started going back to yoga this last couple of weeks and it was such a huge thing that I had been depriving myself of because I was busy. I don't know how I'm busy in pandemic, but I was. And now that I'm back to it, I find myself not avoiding so much, which is what I needed. So yeah, all the time looking back at the roots. It's a good point because I mean, we have our own weeds too, and we have to do the same thing for ourselves and definitely look at our behavior and in self-care as cheesy as that sounds, is going to be really important right now. And, you know, I'm watching a lot of Hulu at night. (laughs) (laughs) I, I normally like work all night until I fall asleep and no, I'm like binge watching Hulu and like that, like it's a necessity in order for me to start back up again, because now for most of us parents out there, we have our work on our plate and now we actually have our children's school. I mean, in my, one of my tirades last night, I was like, I didn't intend to do fifth grade over again. <laughs> it's true. None of us signed up to be our kids' teachers. We didn't. And so it just is what it is. And you're going to have ugly moments and then you kind of regroup and you realize where it's coming from. And you're going to have to be able to empty that bucket more than you normally do because it's going to get filled up really fast in your days and, and it's survivable. <laughs> That's a good point. I love it. I love the conversation that we've had. I feel like it's been a good full circle moment from our kids challenging behaviors to our own to there's a reason for all of it and it's okay. Yeah, exactly. Always fun to talk to you. You too. This is so fun. I just love it. So where can people find you? Cause I'm sure people are going to want to soak you up some more. Oh, yeah. So I am on Instagram. I am at Wendy Burtonall over there and my last name is hard to spell. So just try to look me up, but I'm exceptional parenting podcast on the podcast store, whichever one you have iTunes, whatever, and exceptional parenting podcast.com. Yep. Definitely check her out. Great podcast and, and soak up your information. Thank you. Thanks so much. So I hope you found that episode helpful. I love talking to her. She's just such a nice person, but she also has an amazing perspective on how to approach these things. And she's real. She's, she always talks about her struggles as well. And I always love people who are real and talk about their struggles because that's kind of what I do too. So if you are enjoying the podcast, don't forget to hit a star on iTunes, wherever you consume your podcast. I think Google play is going away. So I need to stop saying Google play. I think YouTube or YouTube play. I don't know what's happening, but something is happening. So wherever you consume your podcast, you can hit a star to rate the show. I greatly appreciate it. If you have a few extra minutes and you can leave a review, that is even better. It helps the show. It helps parents know that there's some value here. And so I always appreciate that. And to end my show, I like to read a review to show my gratitude. So I want to say thank you to Mike Mack, 44. He wrote, thank you, Natasha. You break these problems kids have so well that they can easily be understood and dealt with. You even have helped me remember some things I had problems with as a kid that have been very cathartic. Thank you again for your amazing work. Well, I appreciate that. And I feel like, you know, 
a lot of times we have gone through our own anxiety or OCD struggles and haven't gotten the help that we need or didn't even realize that we were having these things until we help our kids. So I love that a lot of times my episodes help parents directly with their own stuff or give them insight to their own childhood. So thanks again for writing that review. And if you have something nice to say, maybe I'll be reading your review next time. So don't forget to find the sparkle in everything you do. And I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com. 